0: This podcast contains swear words. Well, hello and welcome to Talking Shit with Tara Cheyenne, a podcast where I interview art makers, artists, creative folks from all over Canada, especially the west coast of Turtle Island. Well, we're all coming from the perspective of art-making, performing artists for the most part. This podcast is for everyone, whether you consider yourself an artist or not. Life is a creative act. You know it is. I know, but it is. And who am I? Well, I'm your host, Tara Cheyenne Friedenberg, and I am a person who is tired but I'm also a choreographer, actor, dancer, writer, and educator living on the unceded stolen ancestral territories of the Musqueam, tsleil and Squamish nations on the west coast of Turtle Island. Okay, before we get a-holing with my interview for today, which is delightful, I'm very excited to share it with you, I would like to ask, request, mm, sideways glance, to rate, review, share this podcast. It really does make a difference. The old algorithms, I don't really understand that kind of thing, but apparently easier for people to find. So if they're looking for, hmm, art-making podcasts... They'll maybe find us, which is really helpful. And if you have the means, inclination, a donation is always welcome, however small, however big. You can go to www.terrashayanne.com, upper right-hand corner, click the Donate button, or we will link to that very place in the show notes. My guest today is the fantastic artist Sarah Vickrick. they, them. I have known Sarah for quite a while. I first was the choreographer on West Side Story for Tuts Theater Under the Stars here on the West Coast. And Sarah was in that production and kind of, you know, fell in art love with them. Um, So much energy, so creative, so funny. But now I'm going to actually go into their bio, because that's just my impression. What more can I tell you about Sarah? Sarah is an award-winning queer multidisciplinary performer, host, musician, songwriter, sound designer, and creator living on the unceded territories of the homilcomb-speaking peoples. They work both on screen and on stage in many venues across the country. Sarah is a Jesse Richardson award winner, and an Equity Stage West 2020 Emerging Artist Award winner. You may know them from the critically acclaimed show Polly Queer Love Ballad, a slam poetry musical, as Mercutio from Bard on the Beaches, Romeo and Juliet. That was just last summer, so if you caught that, mm, what a treat. Or perhaps as part of the band, The Quarantets. I will post the whole bio on the show notes. Um, Sarah is somebody to follow somebody to watch, and somebody who I quite adore. Welcome, the Sarah Vickrek, they, them, Mm -hmm. to talking shit with Sarah Diane. I'm so glad you're here, Sarah. We've known each other for a hot minute, or many now. What year
1: was that? 2016?
0: I want to say 16 or 15 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, you were a younger person. (laughs) I was a younger person. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Everyone was younger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is so true, isn't it? Everybody was. Oh. Everybody was younger then. It's so nice to be able to talk to you. Mm. You are one of my favorite Vancouver artists. Uh Artists in general. Thanks. Really.
1: That's really kind because I like you a lot too.
0: Aw. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Before I start asking you questions, I have to share this with you. Okay. I was talking to a colleague recently, and we were talking about how when Sarah reads a script, the problem is, is Sarah will make something that actually might not be great writing sound like great writing, which is, you know, great if you're casting Sarah, but Sarah might get a better gig, and you might have to cast somebody else, and then you (laughs) might find out that, oh, it wasn't the writing. It was Sarah.
1: (laughs) You were talking to Joanna is who you're probably talking to. I was
0: not talking to Joanna. Our friend, Joanna Garfinkel, who I've
1: interviewed on this podcast. Yes. You can go back and listen to that episode. Yes, you can. She speaks so well. I know. I don't know. Her thoughts are just so organized.
0: So good. Yeah. Organized thoughts. My brain does not work like that. No.
1: (laughs) Joanna is so intelligent. Sometimes we will be in, because I also work a fair bit with Joanna. I'll be in spaces with Joanna and... She'll be talking and I'll be like, I, I don't, I don't know why you just like, I, I'll i lose. Like, I don't know what you just said. I feel, I feel
0: like I lost you. Right. Ah. I know. Sometimes I just like, okay, I feel like I should know what you're talking about. Yeah. But yeah. you know what? I'm old enough to go, hey, Joanna, can you rephrase that in like really simple back of a cereal box sort of words for me?
1: Yeah, I've gotten better in the last couple of years of being like I don't know what that word means. You know
0: like <laughs>
1: Yeah. Isn't that a gift?
0: Isn't that a gift?
1: You know, it's a process. Yeah. And you have to be in a group or a room of people that you think won't won't think less of you. So
0: Oh, I know. It's so boring having to pretend you know what everything means.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So Sarah, yes. So you are an actor. Mm-hmm. You are a musician. Mhm. You are a sound designer. Mm-hmm. You are a creator. Is there anything I'm missing there?
1: Yeah, I guess like sometimes I produce. Right. Sometimes I write, which is creating. And sometimes I teach, I guess. Yeah. But I think that's, I think that about covers it. Wow. songwriter, singer songwriter, which is in the musician train, but, you know. Yeah. But not all musicians write. No. And in fact, I'm probably like, I tend more towards singer songwriting than I would just straight musicianing, but I straight musician sometimes too.
0: (laughs) It's so funny. Hey, all these things we do, they overlap and they inform each other. And just to reflect on what you were just saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, in an age, I hope where people can kind of take it all in and be what they're interested in, Without this, like, I feel like in the older days, if you were a musician, you had to be like conservatory musician. You had to be like a, you know, like a session musician. Like those kind of people were just like, whoa. And you could never make any mistakes. Do you know what I mean? What do you think of that? I've
1: talked about this actually quite a bit in the last few weeks. The conversation has come up. I mean, I guess it comes up all the time because it seems like artists all around me, everybody has to be able to do 10 different things to try and maintain a career or just make the work they want to make happen and yeah so the lines are blurred but you know what my jury is out on what is like what feels because I can feel so overwhelmed by the amount of choices to make and sort of the amount of options I could take not knowing which one's going to lead where that sometimes I wish like well I'm going to say this I don't fully wish it but I wonder that's what I do I wonder if all I quote unquote could be, was an actor. I mean, there'd probably be part of me that wasn't fully fulfilled. But like, what would my skill set be like in that technique? Let's say, would I? Would I be? Would it be easier? Would there be a little less? Would I go further? I'm. You know, as I'm saying these things, I'm like questioning. What does that even mean to go further? What is good? What is bad? You know, but I think it links into what we see happening societally with people getting to the end of high school, let's say, and being numbed by the amount of choices and not knowing what to do with themselves. So they stay stagnant, maybe for a little while. That comes with, I think, outside expectations or what they think other people wanted them. But so I feel like that has infiltrated the arts community. And it also exists there sometimes too. I think the overwhelm of everything you know, and not knowing which way to go, at least I've thought we've had conversations about this is, is overwhelming. And I think it's great because I hope, I think it's making it easier for anyone to create things. Because we're starting to tear down that idea. Yeah. Even in grants that we write, we're starting ideas of like what makes someone professional. Yeah. Is being torn down. And until that seeps all the way to the top, which in a capitalist mm-hmm. uh, society, I don't think we're ever going to get there.
0: I know. They're really slow, hawkers.
1: We won't fully. Ugh. Yeah. Bureaucracy. And
0: anyway. Okay. That's my answer to that question. That's a good answer. I um Sometimes I have that craving for you know, the, I guess <laughs> it's like a, a, a paleolithic time when in the the group you had your things and you did your things. Yeah. And you were the storyteller and then that's yeah. cool. And somebody else was, you know, making the, the thing out of the thing as opposed to, yeah, there's like a paralysis in options. Yes. But I think there's like a freedom to in, Knowing that every decision you make is going to cut off a bunch of other decisions, and that's okay, and it's going to open up other doors that you didn't even know were there, but it can be frightening. Hey, yeah,
1: I was going to say I don't know if I find that comforting or frightening, in <laughs> <laughs> and we will cut off other options. Oh right,
0: no! <laughs> but what do I? Want? Are you the kind of person who like really wants to research it, figure out like okay, what's the best decision?
1: No, Uh, I mean, I I do not have that tendency. What I really want is to understand my gut enough to do it. The problem is I, like, your gut instincts, or at least for me, get so clouded by past experiences. If you have any sort of, like, trauma in your past, that affects your gut feelings. What I wish is, what I aspire to, and I've had varying degrees of success in my life, is when something gets offered to me and I have the impulse of yes or no, and then I have the like fortitude or the like confidence or no anxiety to just do that, which I feel is the right thing to do. I'm not a researchy person. I want to do it.
0: Yes. Yeah. I hear you. I don't like those rooms where there's a lot of sitting around and talking about what we're going to do. Can we just do it and see what happens?
1: Yeah. The thing I do like about table work, which I feel is like a lot of like sitting down and talking. Oh, yeah. Is I like understanding who uh, mostly it's the direct, I mean, it's the actors too, but it's like whoever is going to be unifying the production. I want to understand their view of what's happening. Mm. And I want to know what the other character is feeling so that our performance can be inspired by each other. So um, I agree. I'd rather just do, although at some point in time, I want to understand what the full picture looks like.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. So just for the listener, when Sarah says table work in theater often, the first day is you read, you read the thing off the page yeah. and then you spend sometimes days and days and days, days and days and days. Oh, thank you. Perfect. Oh, that was perfect. Um <laughs> talking sometimes it goes on forever as a yeah. you know as a mover choreographer i'm usually like just twisting in the wind just like all right yeah i do want to understand it all i want to know where you're coming from but can we do that on our feet um <laughs> yeah. you're in rehearsal for bard on the beach we haven't started just yet you haven't started
1: yet i've started my prep but we haven't started yet we start uh may
0: 23rd so in a, two weeks or something like that or yeah nice so, Sarah, you've been part of Bard on the Beach. So Bard on the Beach is mostly Shakespeare here on the West Coast, big tent. People, they love it. They love to come to the Bard on the Beach and see the people with the Shakespeare and the talking. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I've done many choreographic, you know, contributions. Yeah. How many seasons have you done with Bard? This will be third season. Nice. hmm Who are you playing this year and what show? So this year I'm
1: understudying and I'm understudying in Henry V and I'm covering four actor tracks. So it's nine characters in total. Holy shit. You're telling me, Tara. (laughs) Um, And uh, so a bunch of them I'm understudying, but I am understudying the title role, Henry
0: V. Oh, yeah. yeah. I would like to come when you're playing Henry V.
1: You know, me too. Yeah. (laughs) I hope I get a chance to do that one. But you know who else I'm really excited to understudy is the chorus. Mm. In this one, the chorus has like, if people are familiar with Shakespeare, has that like iconic monologue of, oh, for a muse of fire that would ascend the brightest heavens of invention. And the chorus in this, like people can do it as a quote unquote chorus or one character playing that is titled chorus or that's name is chorus. Right and this production it will be one person and their character name is chorus and yeah they get to do they're fun they're like the they're like the narrator i guess yeah and they get to have that or at least as i'm reading it i'm seeing that sort of relationship with the audience that brings them in and i i guess i like that feeling i like that mechanism but that's not what the word is whatever in theater when when somebody's
0: sort of like narrating or talking to the audience it's like the person who gets to be omnipotent and gets to break that fourth wall
1: yeah and you kind of just like you get to be kind of just fun and
0: charming, you know? Those are two words I would use to describe you (laughs) all the time. Thank you, thank you. (laughs) You are that kind of performer that I see, like, breaking the fourth wall. Is that, do you kind of love that? I do, yeah, I do. What's your, like, favorite role that you've played thus far in your career as an actor? Okay. Or top couple? Yeah,
1: okay, I think, like, OK, I'll go this way. I did a show with Shameless Husseys called Love Mom, which was kind of like my breakout role in the Vancouver scene. Oh, it was so good. Oh, thanks. Yeah. And I really I'm going to say two, though. I'm going to quickly talk through this one and then say the next one. OK, but um, I got to play guitar and no, I'm going to talk. OK, I'm going to talk about both, Tara, but I'm going to start here because I want to go back to our comment about multi. We didn't call it this before, but multidisciplinary is another way to refer to it. yeah, uh, I have multiple times in my career been like, "I'm done. Oh yes, I'm done with this acting thing and then or theater in general. I'm done with this career path, and so have have left it quote unquote, multiple times, and then so at one point in time, I was like, corporate training, opening restaurants across Canada, and I was like, yeah, and i'm gonna I'm gonna play music and Write an album, and that's going to be my creative outlet because I was starting to do that anyway. So I did. I created music. I self-produced an EP, and then all of a sudden, my roommate, who was friends with a board member on Shameless Hussy, was looking for mostly a musician who could act because their show needed someone to play eleven songs on guitar and sing. So they needed to have that comfortability. And I actually was an actor first, but I had taken some time off and had been playing a lot of open mics and doing shows that way. So I was getting a lot more experience playing in front of audiences and playing live. And, um, and years prior, I had written a song about sex trafficking Mm. with a friend who was doing a presentation on sex trafficking anyway. And so all of those things ended up coming together in this way. If I hadn't taken that time off to just Play music And really not, I, I don't know that I would have been, would I have been strong enough or would I have had the confidence in myself? So, um, and then I got that role, which allowed me to break into the Vancouver theater scene. Then people would start seeing me in auditions and then people knew who I was. And so that is Uno because of what I did for my career, because I love playing guitar, because of the people I got to work with, Steve Charles, who's, I, I love Steve. And we like wrestle every time we hang out. So like, he's just like a brother or something. I don't know. But, and I kind of like got Rockstar Bootcamp was kind of like what I was getting paid to like learn
0: how to be a better musician. Oh, Rockstar Bootcamp. That's awesome. Steve is a um, musician, songwriter, performer. Musical director. Yeah. In Vancouver. Yeah. We'll link to him in the show notes. He's got great projects.
1: Yeah. And so I got to sing and play music, which I love to do. When I get to also act, so okay, can I say number two? Yeah, yeah, I love and it. And I'll go through this quickly. So um, then I got to be. There's a musical called Fun Home, which is written by Alison Bechdel, who's um, I'm not sure how they if they've changed how they identify, but is a lesbian. And uh, I think that was the first, or maybe the only musical, at least at the time, it was like the first musical with a lesbian lead in it. I, I think it may still. Be, but pretty big deal they were doing it at the arts club so that was also a big thing now I was going to be in the arts club which is you know one of the biggest companies in Vancouver not only was I acting but they also got me to play guitar in the quote-unquote pit which is in theater where like the musicians hang out they call it sometimes the pit because it used to be literally under the stage in a lot of theater past. so I was actually playing the orchestra music for guitar which I learned guitar self-taught so I had to like really were to read the sheet music and how it relates to guitar and blah, blah, blah. So there was a lot of work that went into that. And I threw out my arm, which started a whole series of whatever, but I loved that. I would walk off stage. I'd run around the thing, sit down, pick up the guitar and away I went. And then I would put the guitar down. I'd turn around. Wow. Someone would hand me my jacket and then I would walk out on stage. So it was really like, Ooh, fun. And I got to be the stud character this is going to lead into gender stuff. I grew up not playing. I wasn't the type of person that was going to get cast as the lead anything. Yeah. I was going to be the quirky sister, the best friend, you know, in college, I was like the aunt or the older characters I would play. I knew I was good. I was good enough. Like, because my teachers would tell me like, it's not like I wasn't talented enough or I didn't have the right skills. It's that I didn't look the right way. Mm -hmm. And I didn't necessarily have that energy. I came out in my mid twenties or early twenties. So I was through college by that point in time and through most of my actor training formal by that time. So, but in my childhood and in my life, I always saw myself as like the person on the horse who was like, saving whoever was trapped or I was going on the adventure. I was the, you know, quote unquote, dude or the boy or the guy in these films and stories. And, you know, the one who gets to propose, not the one who's proposed to or like I was
0: f- the protagonist. Yeah. <laughs> I think <laughs> they call that the protagonist, the interesting character, not the um, yeah. the decorative character. Yeah.
1: And so I never saw myself as attractive or desirable period and before I came out like I never saw myself that way so now I'm in Fun Home and the role that I was playing Joan is the love interest of the lead character there's for simplicity's sake that's just what we'll say yeah. for the, of the lead character she sings a song about me you know Joan and like how much and I'm I'm responsible for her sort of like awakening into her own queerness and so I got to be the character on stage that was super totally confident in who I was in my sexuality And was the stud character, was the character that like (laughs) people are like swooning over, you know? Yeah, it was really big deal for me to get to be seen that way because I never was. I didn't, I've never felt that way before, but I always had hoped I would be. Yeah. In my heart. That's who I. um, And so I mean, my my current partner now would like come to the show and be like, oh. And then other artists would, we do this thing with the audience where you collect money for the actor's fund when the show is ending and the audience would like walk by. So there's actors in the audience holding these hats. And I wasn't, I would do the speech on stage because I like being the center of attention. And then (laughs) apparently as like people are walking out of the theater, like the lead characters are like holding this spin and they're like, oh, that Joan character. And these are like older Older than me, women. Let's say, like in their fifties, maybe it's forties, fifties, which are not old. They're just older than me. Yeah, older, older, not old, and not my dating age range at that point in time. We'll say so. Like, but anyways, they're the ones that are walking past me, like, oh, if I was younger, or like, oh, if I wasn't straight, or like all these things, like putting them in these hats. I was like,
0: yeah. Oh, anyway, delicious. Yeah. And do you feel now like you get more opportunities to play those kind of characters? What's the reading on how things are going that way in terms of the milieu?
1: So it's an interesting journey because it's not only the industry, both film and theater or performance, let's say, trying to figure out how to deal with gender, but it's also the people themselves trying to figure out what to do with gender. So I'd say like the thing that really happened there for me was so good. And now it's now it's hard ish. I'm starting to get to the age range where I'm no longer isn't it funny? But I'm getting to the age range where I'm, I'm going to probably start flipping into playing, not quite in theater yet, but in film, start playing like mothers and slightly older characters. And I don't think we've figured out how to include gender diversity there yet. Gender fluidity. It's happening a lot more for younger shows. I just taught high school drama festival last week and I did a few workshops and pronouns are no problem for those people
0: fantastic.
1: People are using multiple pronouns and like correcting themselves. And, and when you watch not all TV, but TV for that, that they're creating for those age groups, there's more like sexual orientation, diversity, and then there's starting to be more non-binary and gender fluid stuff, but it's still really stinted. And I think it's because it's so quickly changing. And as I said before, it's the people inside it right now, I'm just trying to get it, involved with a bit more trans communities within theater and films you know just because that's my areas of interest but cuz what i'm going through is so different from the person next to me and how they present themselves is so different than the person next to me so i want to understand my community and i can understand how it's hard from the outside to understand it cuz even within it it's fluid i'm losing track of my train of thought let me go back to how is it doing i don't think it's doing well I think when I walk into spaces and we've like created a a non-binary character, but we have no sort of real understanding of the context of why that's important or like what it is to be non-binary, let me go at it this way. In a cis world where two genders exist, we've done a great job in arts of exploring the ranges of those characters and the archetypes of those characters. And they get stereotypical and there's a problem there as well. But if I were a cis actor walking into playing a woman, which I have, that's how I've lived most of my life, I get to explore sides of my womanhood, let's say, that I don't embody in my normal life. So if I'm a pretty conservative person, I could be really promiscuous. If I'm a really like nice, demure person, I might explore being like really vindictive and um, bitchy. Like I get to explore these different, Sides of what it means to embody that gender. I get to be a mother, or maybe I'm someone who doesn't want to be a mother. I'm exploring all of these sides of myself. For non binary humans, I feel like we don't know what that is yet. Does being on binary simply mean I get to play a man? No, not necessarily. And it doesn't mean I simply get to play a woman or get to play either or, although that's maybe part of it. But there's also this like, what does that mean to sit in the middle? And what are the variations in this? because I also don't want to box it in and make non-binary its own gender without allowing it to be lots of things. But how do I explore all facets of this identity? And we have to make our own work because unfortunately, people who aren't in this experience don't understand that. And that's okay. But until we're at the creative top of it or the ones directing it or the ones writing it, which we're starting to get there, I don't think we're going to experience that full expression. I feel all over the place with that answer because I think that's how I feel inside of it at the moment.
0: Yeah, I hear that. And just to reflect back and just add a couple, I feel like there's a deep importance in embodying and the multiplicity, the being and that actually in my experience, that is the human experience is being being many things at once. And I feel like Mm -hmm. uh, part of the problem capitalism with the way we operate is that we expect people to be like one or the other. And that actually like the binary, it's like, there's two stations. (laughs) It's like, no, there can't just be two fucking stations. No, that is impossible to me. So, so I guess there's something so generative. And as we move forward that the inclusion and the encouragement and just like more non-binary voices, more voices that don't fit into this binary. And more, I feel like more people are going to be like, yeah, I never did feel good in this box, Mm -hmm. you know? And however people are going to identify, I feel like it's so important. Yeah. When I look at theater and you mentioned film, I feel like, I mean, there's people doing amazing things in the city that I love and I'm like, yes. In general, I feel like there's a conservatism that needs to be kind of cracked open.
1: You find that? Yeah, it's okay that the conservativism exists and there's a large population that wants to participate in it and see it. Like, yeah, I think there has to be room for all of it. I mean, except there can't be room for hate, but like there has to be room for what they enjoy. Like sometimes you just want to go see well, lots of people, first of all, I act in Bard. Lots of people come to Bard and want to just see something classic with a new twist-ish on it, but pretty classic. And that's like what really turns them on. And like, and that's okay. Sure. And so do I think that there's a conservatism? I mean, maybe you should talk a little bit more about that. And maybe it's just like the people that I frequently see work of or work with, I feel are like are trying, you know what I mean? And they're, they're moving in different ways. I think the places, the biggest houses in Vancouver, which is just the way it is, they're the oldest institutions, they're the, they're the slowest to change because they're big. So it's happening in the smaller companies. And they're doing a great job of paying artists more, having less rehearsal days, of trying content, of trying their darndest to hire the people that should be in the room. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And I feel like artists like yourself who are like working across the small companies doing like things that are really busting things open and then going and working in like the big houses, which I mean, I feel like there's great progress. People are trying to like, let's cast. That's a typically male role. Let's cast a woman in that role. Let's change how we're looking at things so the going back and forth is actually I think really influencing things. I can't imagine it's easy. No, I have not run a big theater. I have a tiny little dance company. But, you know, you've got your donors, your audience and they're older white folks. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> you know, we're trying to do a lot and I I just feel like I just want to also like affirm the work of arts it's huge, and it's essential, and I'm going to cry now. <laughs> well, where's the tears, Tara? Listen, I push it down, Sarah. I push it down.
1: <laughs> I felt it. I felt as soon as you said I was like, oh, and Tara stop talking. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going
0: just gonna to go over here.
1: Ugh. I think there was something you're saying about never running a big company, Yeah, I think there's a few things that I've noticed when you engage with different communities, they show up and they come out. And we've seen that a lot in the smaller companies. Like we see, which is awesome. Bard has experimented with different, like the show they did last year was sort of based on Othello. But I think the entire cast was POC. And I think that brought in a different audience of people who wanted to see themselves on stage that don't always and spoke to a different content because they're drawing on different lived experiences other than the like, you know, more prominent white narratives. So we have seen audiences come out to see stuff that is about them, which is great. Last year, Romeo and Juliet, I got to play Mercutio as a man. And that was awesome for me. Like, I didn't want him. Actually, that's not true. I had like talked about like, is he non-binary? It just wasn't the container where the show was set was not a container to explore different Mm -hmm. that side of it. It just and it wasn't the focus of that. Originally in our talks, when I talked to Anita Rashan, who's directing, I was like, "Oh my gosh, what if is in drag? Ooh. Like, what if he's really flamboyant?" And like, Ooh. I was like, and then as I realized like what era this was set in, I was like, "No, that's not gonna work." A great idea, and really, but like, that's not where. But at least I was like getting to play, and women have played male characters before. I think as somebody who is gender fluid and often feels most comfortable in the more masculine side of their identity that getting to play a dude on stage and just be a dude is really nice. It's so fun.
0: Yeah. I remember the first time I played a dude, actually, it was a long time ago. It was elementary school. I've been playing dudes for a long time. I remember just feeling like, okay, home. There's something so comfortable. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I played dudes all the way through school, too, because there was always way more women Then there were men. Yeah. And I'm being very binary because that's how it was. Yeah, yeah. And so this now big pushback, I mean, it's happening in the States. And so to remember that it's not the same in Canada, we're not getting the same pushback, but we still are. Yes. People fighting against, don't let your kids go to like, don't let your kids go to a drag reading or a drag. And I'm like, excuse me.
0: Oh, for fuck's sake!
1: I played men in drama class in grade. What, Like, as you said, elementary school, I was playing, and oh, no, I played snakes and I pretended to be an elephant. And I like, oh, no,
0: you're going to want to be a snake. You got to be careful sending your kids anywhere where they can pretend to be an animal because they're going to want to transition to be animals. What's wrong with people?
1: Well, and this idea that it's new and that it's It's not new poisoning your kids' minds and it's because they're seeing it. And you know what? The truth is, yeah, when we see ourselves, we're more likely to become ourselves. So yes, people who are living in the wrong body or are living in the wrong gender, when they see themselves, who they know they are inside expressed in their world, they're going to choose it. Yeah. Hopefully they have the ability and the tools to choose it. Yeah. I mean, the truth is... The fear around it is is what needs to be combated. And this idea that you're gonna convert your kids, it's like, no, your kids are already that way.
0: We are who we are, and we need to celebrate everybody and to like stop your kid from being who they are. I just like, ugh, I'm gonna cry again. Yeah, there we go. I often think about like if I'd grown up, if things were different when I was a kid. If there were different options, if there, I mean, I was lucky, lucky as hell. I grew up in a house full of artists and, you know, gender fluidity and was like, my mother always had the same haircut as David Bowie, for example. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And wore like three piece suits and stuff like that. So it was like, Great. This is great. But it's encouraging. I'm just really encouraged by your work and the work of people here on the West Coast doing incredible things. Yeah. Here's a question for you What kind of work do you really want to make as a creator? Because you're also a creator.
1: Okay. I'm going to say a bunch of things, Tara, because I'm like in the state of the beginning of something. Mm. I'm at the beginning of needing a new. Um, comes from wanting to create a role that I want. So I have a few, I have a real, as much as I
0: uh, not. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, there's this this show that I- Let it come, let it come. Give it time, give it time. It's great. There's this show that I created with Anae West
1: called Polyqueer Love Ballad, And in it, there's this song called, and it's about this, uh, you know, lesbian monogamous meets this bisexual polyamorous person and they negotiate a relationship with each other I wrote this song that's like I'm in it for the long haul and the the lyric is I think it's I'm the straightest gay you know I'm in it for long haul uh because it's it's uh honestly my stepmom I think said that to me once (laughs) as much as I like want more freedom for my gender and all of these kinds of things, I also want some like really traditional classic stuff. Like I really like a good love story. I really want a good, like. I want to have a kid. I want to have like a marriage. I want to have like, you know, like all of these quote unquote traditional things that aren't, you know, very progressively queer for going into those. Mm. So I want to write a good musical. I want it to be a musical film, but I don't know for sure. I want to write a good musical. That's like, about a non-binary person that's pretty classic feel good. Mm. You know what I mean? Like they make good choices. At the end of the show, they get to be happy. I notice a lot of art right now. We're really interested in realism. Mm. And we want what's reflected in, not all the time, but often we want it to reflect exact real, how it feels to be right now. And so I watch a lot of people make decisions that are, Hard And this generation of the twenties and thirties made out to look like they just kind of stay stagnant and don't go anywhere and don't know what they want to do with their lives. I kind of want to combat that. I'm like, no, I want to watch people make good decisions. I mean, there's got to be conflict. Something's got to be happening, but I want to watch them overcome. I want to watch them succeed. I want to watch them be happy. I want to believe that for myself, other gender fluid people everyone. I want to do that for everyone. So I'm, I have an interest in like uh, creating that. Okay. There's this other side project ooh, ooh, I have ooh. with another friend of mine, Claire love Wilson, who we do this sort of, we've done it before and I can't wait to revisit it again. We do live song improv looped with sounds that we create with our bodies and the audience, and then like make songs and kind of like tell stories over top of it. And I think we'll start to incorporate more instruments and maybe find more form to that art but what it really was was like sitting in a room with an audience and creating something together and usually because Claire and I tend that way it would lead to joyful stuff or would end happy or the energy is really up and it's improv love it all happening live so I have a a desire to keep that project exploring
0: and um okay, I can keep going. That's two things. Obviously, we'll have to do a follow-up interview (laughs) and talk about how these are going. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I feel like we need queer in all the different narratives, in all the different ways, Mm. and the celebration and the... Mm. Yeah, like in every corner of life. Mm -hmm. I love that. Oh, and uh, just to reflect, too, on your project with Claire. I know Claire Mm
1: -hmm.
0: from way back, but um, the process of performing... And creating at the same time, which is, you know, I mean, you could say improvisation, but there, I feel like there's something more with what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, I'm super interested in that. Cool, yeah. So, yeah, I um, I look forward to hearing more about that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so is there anything? I know we could go on for like long time. Um, <laughs> yeah, is there anything I didn't ask you you'd love to hit in this episode?
1: I mean. <sighs> No, I want. I mean, you and I love talking about clothing and I know how we need to start our own clothing brand. We really do. Yeah. We really do. But we need somebody who's good
0: at actually making the clothes. <laughs> I know. I can just tell you like what I need. I mean, let's just start out. And listeners, I'm sure many of you have this experience. Yeah. But let's just get over the fucking pants that are intended for female identifying people or people with hips or whatever, that do not have proper pockets. (laughs) Can we just stop that fucking bullshit? Because I need to put stuff in my pockets. Don't assume I'm carrying a purse. I can't even say the word purse without having a bit of an issue.
1: But do you have the fanny pack? Yeah. Tara, have we gotten you? Oh,
0: yeah. Okay, yeah. Like, that's how I think I get around it a lot. I got the fanny pack. Oh, yeah. Strapped around my shoulder. Full, full fanny pack. I've been rocking the fanny pack for a long time. Yeah. Before it got cool. Just saying. I'm just saying that when it wasn't cool (laughs) and it wasn't, I was not cool.
1: I remember in college, like wearing a lot of overalls. Oh yeah, the overalls. The overalls, work pants. I got made fun of for those overalls. I know. And then like, you know, it was another five years before they came back in or whatever. But I was like, ha! It's hard to
0: be a trailblazer. Yeah. (laughs) I know. I find this like, I'll get into something. It's not cool. my family mostly will make fun of me. That's a wonderful thing about having children. Your child will go like, are you going out like that? Yeah, I am. Why? Because you look kind of dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get into something and then I'll like be done with it. And then two years later, all the kids are wearing it. Yeah. <sighs> I had a bit of a mullet for a
1: bit there In Ooh. I could find the picture and show the year. And then, yeah, what is that? In the last like two years, they've really come back in. And I was like, I didn't keep it for very long because I felt a little self-conscious about it. Oh, you would look great in a mullet. I should have just rocked it.
0: Yeah, I should have just left it going. Oh, I know. But it's hard because you got things to do. You got things to create. Yeah. No stagnation. No. Okay, well, we'll have to do another episode where we really get into the clothes. And maybe we, this is a good idea, actually. And we go through and we like, you know, how about this? celebrity or that celebrity and you know it might have to be it might have to be a YouTube episode
1: let's get like an actual gonna say costume designer because that's the world we rock in but it could also just be someone who makes clothes Mm -hmm. you know in the outside world to come in and talk to us about like I want to understand why it is like what would make clothes that I want to wear What could I look like in them? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? We
0: need an expert. We need an expert. We need an expert. Yes. This leads me to think about, there's a costume designer that I'm going to be working with, actually, on my piece, Pants, which is about gender. Oh. Sarah Doucette, fantastic queer designer in Toronto. Sarah would have some things to say about that. Mm, So many fun things. When does your Bard show open? It uh, opens, a preview starts... June twenty eighth, maybe I want to say. Okay. Will you be putting like on your
1: Instagram? What do they call it? Yeah. That's what I should do. Whenever I get on, I'll be like, I will have people that hopefully want to, and I would like them to come see me. so. So I'll post it on Instagram when I, probably
0: the morning of when I find out. Okay. We'll put Sarah's handle in our show notes. And just for those of you who don't know what an understudy does, understudies are not in no way, shape, or form lesser than the lead actors. In fact, they have to be so, so good. You want to hire like the best performers in understudy roles because they have to know everything and be able to like, boom, be on there. You're really perfect because you're also such a good improviser. Yeah, so fun. So fun. I know, but like, (laughs) oh,
1: boy, nerves. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. (laughs) If it wasn't Shakespeare and I had to stay in like iambic pentameter. Oh my
0: god. Yeah. Oh my god. But that would be also delightful.
1: But it's true. At the same time, everybody's learning their one character. I am learning four, (laughs) like, and don't get to rehearse it like they do, right? So yeah, I'm excited about it. It's why I wanted to do it. I was like, this is going to be hard, and I'm equally as terrified. Although, you know, and that's a good thing. I don't think I've been this terrified to do anything in a really long time. So yeah, that's probably good.
0: It's good to do things that terrify the hell out of you i i did uh, my show last week at the colch and um yes the nerves holy shit like this is not my first rodeo no but for some reason like this show also looks super personal anyway yeah yeah it was kind of ludicrous my nerves but um they're there for a reason do you find i mean most
1: of your performance art is in a similar vein of it's like it's like dancey theater performance art it includes both yes It's not just straight dance or like, no. So maybe this isn't a question
0: that's going to be like, what do you think it is about this performance that made you so nervous? I think because it's me, like it's really me with the audience. It's also like I'm out there for just over an hour. I'm like direct address with the audience. Mm -hmm. I'm going for laughs, but I'm also going for some hard truths. So it goes from like, ha 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 to, oh, wow, that's uncomfortable. You know, like just to be the only one out there carrying the whole thing. Once I'm out there, though. And you're getting pretty naked, right? Yeah, not fully naked. Like, not fully naked, but you're getting pretty naked. I'm down in my underwear. Yeah. You know, spoiler alert. (laughs) Oh, sorry. No, it's totally (laughs) fine. I mean, the photographs, there's me in my underwear, so people are not going to be too surprised. Not the first time I've performed in my underwear, but the first time at age 50 I have performed in my underwear. I don't know. It's interesting. It's very interesting. But I also love it. As soon as the lights go down and I'm walking on stage, here we go. Game on. Yeah.
1: Can I say something about that piece? Do it. So I saw it when it was at Progress Lab. Oh, the film version? No, I saw it. I was in the room. Oh. You climbed? Yes, that's right. Um, Maybe it's changed some. Yeah. But I remember from that piece, one moment where you talked about oh, I'm not gonna remember the exact terms, but like skinny privilege, I guess, or- Thin privilege. Thin privilege, that's the word you use for it. And this is probably gonna sound, well, it's it's gonna sound privileged. It's gonna sound a bit ignorant. It's gonna sound a bit, a few things, but it's also truthful and honest and sad at the same time. It's like when you were talking about thin privilege, I was like, oh my God, I have thin privilege, but I have always thought of myself as, and there are many reasons why, but always thought of myself as, as not, as fat. Yep. But the way you stated it, or I remember it being stated, like, you can sit in a seat in the plane and feel comfortable sitting in that seat. Yeah. And I was like, I too can do that. Oh, my God. I I haven't been acknowledging my privilege because in our society, I see myself as, and I see myself that way because I've had doctors say it to me, overweight. Yeah or obese or fat anyway that was just the experience
0: that i had and i think that's really important to acknowledge because we can hold multiple things right mm-hmm. both are true and how hard it is you know to walk around in the, these fantastic bodies that, that just like grew yeah <laughs> it just arrived here at some fucking miracle and to have our cultures shame us left right and center And plain seats are just too damn small. They're stupid. They're stupid.
1: It's nobody else's problem. It's the effing capitalism. Capitalism. We're circling back to capitalism.
0: Fuck. Circle around. My last question for you, just today though, because I'll have more. Okay, great. Is there something or a few things you do to keep yourself creative, to feel healthy as an artist? Anything at all, be it like binge watch, um, you know, Great British Baking Show. I'm talking about myself or anything. What do you do?
1: You know, I think like you ask this with every person. So I was (laughs) contemplating like what I would, how I would answer this. And this uh, creativity for me uh, has always been such a connection with self. And when I am in most harmony with myself, I find my creativity is flows easiest or is most authentic. And I enjoy it most. So this year I've been trying to really get healthy and it's hard it's been a super hard process i got an adhd diagnosis of which i'm like trying to figure out how that works and 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 dealing with like learning about uh, seeing that i am like so addicted to sugar and it really is a problem and like oh yeah as i think most people a lot of other people i talk to identify with that as well and so there's a few things that i don't do them every day i wish i did going for walks with the dog where i don't have headphones in and and all i am doing is being present where i am With ADHD, I find that I overload my sensories and it's really hard not to. It's like a dopamine crave that's really hard to walk away from. So I'm trying to create silent space Mm -hmm. in my day and I'm not always successful at it. But I'd say that that's how I'm trying to help my creative self right now is with silent space.
0: Yeah. Oh, I really relate to that one a lot. I tell this to my kid. Yeah, they don't like it when I say this, but let the boredom happen which I struggle with myself, let yourself move through that to the point where you're going to start getting ideas or hearing that bird you haven't heard before or really seeing your dog's incredibly cute little face or, you know, all this stuff that's happening to us so quickly. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thanks for having me. This has been so fun. We will have another episode with you, my friend. Oy And that's a wrap. Thank you so much, Sarah, for sitting down with me and having such a fun and interesting, illuminating conversation. I can't oh. wait to have you back on the show. And thank you so much for listening. You can get in touch with us on Instagram, Tara Cheyenne TCP. Facebook. Tara Cheyenne Performance. Does anybody use Facebook anymore? I don't really look at it. Or email info at And I do look at my email. I for sure do. So Talking Shit with Terra Cheyenne is a project of Tara Cheyenne Performance produced, edited with original music by Mark Stewart. You can get in touch with Mark at MarkStewartMusic.com. And one more time, please share this podcast Donate if you can. TerraShion.com, upper right hand corner, that little donate button. And I leave you with this one a quotation from Isaac Asimov Creation is embarrassing.
1: This podcast is effing good. We need an expert. We need an expert. We need an expert.